worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Spirits Podcast. This is where we dive into mythology, legends, and folklore, learning about a new story from around the world each week. I'm Amanda. My co-host Julia is recovering from a cold, but we're very excited to welcome you to episode 258, Paul Bunyan and Indigenous Traditions with Leah Lem, a fantastic journalist and storyteller whose brand new podcast, Wisdom Continuum, is available now. So without further ado, we'd love to first thank our newest patrons, Katharina Erther, Derek Queen Z, Medusa Scrunchie, very good good, and Marcus. Thank you for your support of the show. You, along with fellow patrons like Alicia, Brian, Hannah, Jack Marie, Jean, Jessica Stewart, Nieselkins, Megan Moon, Phil Fresh, Captain Jonathan, Malachi Cosmos, Sarah Scott, and Zazie, and our legend-level patrons, of course, Audra, Bex, Clara, Drew, J. Bay Bay, Lexus, Mary, Morgan, Morgan H., Mother of Vikings, Sarah, Taylor, and BMF Scotty. You are the backbone of our show and the folks whose support lets us keep doing this. You also get, because you're very cool and support us on Patreon, all kinds of rewards and benefits, like director's commentary for every episode, alcoholic and non-alcoholic drink cards custom for each episode that Julia makes that you can download for all 250-some eight episodes of the show that we have done so far, and all kinds of other benefits like physical merch, including we've done it. We've made a crew neck sweatshirt with Mothman's butt on it. Zoe, <laughs> Zoe Polando, writer, is uh, such a fantastic illustrator. And the person who made our tarot cards, which are now sold out, by the way, you guys like them a lot and noted, we're going to work on seeing if we can get any more. But in the meantime, you can get our Mothman tarot card design on a crew neck on your chest to have Mothman's butt on your physical form at spiritspodcast.com slash merch. It's a big deal. And we hope you enjoy. We've been wearing ours nonstop. They are very comfy. And we hope that you love them just as much as us. So that is my recommendation for the week, guys. It's wearing Mothman's butt out in the world because the coolest people will stop you and be like, nice sweatshirt. And you're like, I know, listen to spirits. So that's all you got to do. So in between checking out the Spirits Mothman crew neck and subscribing to Leah's podcast, Wisdom Continuum, what if you're kind of left in the lurch being like, oh, gosh, I wish I had more to listen to? Well, we have to recommend Next Stop this week. This is an audio sitcom that Multitude put out last year. It is written by Eric Silver, assistant directed by Julia Schifini, directed by Brandon Grugel, and executive produced by myself. And across its 10-episode first season, Next Stop follows three roommates as they go through work and relationships and friendships, growing together as a unit no matter what life throws at them. It is wholesome. It's fun. It is a sitcom. So if those kinds of shows give you, you know, nostalgic feelings and they feel like a warm bath, but you're like, hey, I would love one without fat phobia or homophobia or, or gay panic or whatever, Next stop is the one for you. I am so proud of the work that everybody did on the show. And you can listen to season one in its entirety at nextstopshow.com or search for Next Stop in your podcast app.
So sending a lot of love to Julia as she drinks her ginger and honey tea. A lot of love to Leah for this fantastic episode. We hope that you enjoy it half as much as we did. So without further ado, enjoy Spirits Podcast episode 258, Paul Bunyan and Indigenous Traditions with Leah Lem. We are so excited to have Leah Lem here with us today. When we were talking about what topics to do, you're like, "Uh, can I just like go off about Timber and Paul Bunyan? And we were like, absolutely you can. Uh, So (laughs) welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Tell the people who you are and what you work on. Yeah, Anin Buju, Lealem Indigenakaz, Buju Nindudam, Zaga Iganing and Dunjaba. I am a Lealem, Lynx Clan, citizen of the Malax Band of Ojibwe, and I'm a community story sharer. And I'm up in northern Minnesota, in Grand Rapids, Minnesota, among the beautiful timber, <laughs> the beautiful pine <laughs> trees and woods and rivers and lakes. It is gorgeous. And I spend my time working to amplify Native voices in any way I can. And usually those ways are through radio and podcasting. And I have a new podcast that has just launched this month. So... I'm really excited about it. Tell us the name. Yes, it is called Wisdom Continuum. And we talk about systems from an Indigenous perspective uh, for a healthier, more just, more thoughtful future. So just really flipping the script on what we think of as, you know, our default values as Americans, quote unquote. And uh, we work to embrace our Native values in all their diversity. It's pretty exciting. I, it sounds great. I cannot wait to listen. And I know that the first two episodes are out right now. So our <laughs> listeners can pause this, go subscribe, and then come back. Oh, yes. Thank you. Yes. First two episodes are out. We speak with a great guest, Shirley Nordrum. She lives up here uh, in northern Minnesota in Bemidji. And she has a lot of thoughts. And I think one of the biggest worldviews or shifts in thinking that we talk about is this idea of connection and relationships with our environment and our animal and plant relatives and water spirits and and just understanding that everything isn't there's very few inanimate things <laughs> that everything has a has a spirit that we can connect with yeah so you're saying that extractive capitalism yeah. and uh, mowing down forests uh, for profit, well, yeah, perhaps <laughs> not the sustainable way to treat the world. So did you grow up in Minnesota? Was that where you kind of like, I want to know about the stories that you grew up with. So tell me about those. Yeah. So I grew up in the Twin Cities, graduated from a suburb, so a suburban Indian, um, and then moved out to Boston for eight years and came home and started working in radio, which was a fantastic education in the technical and operations side of radio because I worked behind the scenes Mm -hmm. 100% of the time. So I always give huge props to the technical folks and all the folks behind the scenes that make the hosts and reporters sound amazing. Shout out editor Eric. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So yeah, Minnesota has been my life. Basically, I always knew that I would return. And I did when I moved back, I moved to St. Paul, our capital. It's not Minneapolis, but (laughs) St. Paul's (laughs) our capital. And I always knew I wanted to move up north. My band is in central-ish, northern-ish, central Minnesota. And of course, you know, Ojibwe are from Northern Minnesota, Canada, you know, Wisconsin, we're all over the place. So North feels like home. Mm-hmm. So when we had the chance, my husband, my spouse, and my son and I to move up North, we took it. And what comes with that is 
realizing how much of the economy is built on extraction of natural resources, like like mining, like timber, and things like that. So a lot of things that are, in a sense, necessary um, and have been, you'll notice that I live in a log home, so I do use... <laughs> materials like that uh, to live. And I have a computer, uh, things like that with, with metals in them. Understanding that there is a difference between extractive, commodifying everything um, and just wanting more, more, more versus seeing the mountain, seeing the tree as having a spirit and respecting it and working with it in a way that's a bit more uh, sustainable, let's say, than just going in full bore, just cranking through with your uh, hundred foot axe, just chopping things down left and right. <laughs> but yeah, I grew up with Paul Bunyan. Yeah. In Grand Rapids here, we have his Adirondack chair in the center of town. It's just a giant chair. <laughs> <laughs> so how big is it? Well, I mean, people can sit in it and they look like, you know, tiny dolls in, in the chair. <laughs> um, and then just down the road is Bemidji. And of course, we have the statue of Paul Bunyan. He's very big in town there. Just a little bit south of us in Brainerd is Paul Bunyan Land, which is an amusement park. Ooh. And I guess I have gone to it. And <laughs> I had to assume. Yeah. <laughs> and there is a giant Paul Bunyan there. It sounds like you can't really opt out of the Paul Bunyan like mythos and discourse growing up in Minnesota. No. Like our um, phone company, our phone company, I think, is Paul Bunyan Communications. So oh, my God. It's, oh my. Just, it's everywhere. It's ubiquitous, let us say. It, it, it's just all around. That's so interesting because I feel like at least we're, we're Northeasterners. We're from New York. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we learned about Paul Bunyan in a very abstract, short sense, like maybe sometime in grade school as like a kind of expansion to the West uh, folktale kind of thing. So it's definitely not like big over here. We have like Johnny Appleseed, I feel like is oh, yeah. more uh, of our folklore. If we're really talking about folklore from our area. But the fact that Paul Bunyan is so huge that there are like statues to him there is so fascinating to me. So <laughs> can you tell us when you think you first heard the story of Paul Bunyan? Or was it just always around? Like how we all know the classic fairy tales immediately. Like you don't remember your parents telling you them, but you know them. Right. I, I don't think I can say when I first heard of Paul Bunyan. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's just there's the tall tale books. It's he's just always been around. Babe the Blue Ox mm -hmm. and things like that. And I never really thought about it very deeply until, of course, seeing some artwork of Paul Bunyan done by a friend of mine who made him look like a villain. Hmm. And then I was like, well, that's interesting because I had dressed my kid up as Paul Bunyan for Halloween once <laughs> and didn't really think about it because it, it was before I moved to northern Minnesota. And then I realized oh, a villain. And then I started thinking about how could Paul Bunyan be interpreted as a villain, you know, as scary. And I was like, you know, that makes a lot of sense thinking about the expansion out west and of course, the um, the quote unquote building of America and Paul Bunyan's role in it when it comes to, you know, not just knocking down trees left and right, but also building the landscape, how his what is footprint or his handprint or something like that became like superior and how he'd straighten 
riverways so logs could more easily flow down the rivers, how we created the Rocky Mountains, how we created the Mississippi River, you know, all these things that take away from the eons and eons since time immemorial of the land that we live on and the indigenous populations that were here beforehand because you don't see the displacement of indigenous people. There's no acknowledgement of the land stewardship that was here beforehand and instead raising up this excess of need of commodifying of use of the land, uh, making it useful for humans. Uh, like it's not anything until somebody's here. So yeah, it's very disturbing to think of it that way. And I was like, you know what? That's true. It's amazing what art does. <laughs> it gets you yeah. thinking differently. <laughs> it, uh, it doesn't take much of a perspective shift. Like even just that word villain really tilts everything very quickly into perspective. And I remember specifically learning about Paul Bunyan in a sort of an example of like American folklore, which, you know, again, like one person says one thing and then you're immediately like, oh, shit, that's really dark <laughs> because it's positing that, you know, this is perhaps settler folklore. But looking at, you know, the literal and figurative, you know, erasure displacement that a figure like Paul Bunyan, like Lewis and Clark, like all, you know, Johnny Appleseed, like all of these myths, like Johnny Appleseed didn't invent like agriculture and land stewardship in the U.S. Like, what the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> Folklore is so often a, a tool of the state and a tool of rulers. And, you know, I'm grateful as an adult to be able to start learning and unlearning those perspectives. And it's really interesting to me because I guess I'm not super familiar with the Paul Bunyan story. So the idea that his footprint or handprint created like superior in my brain, just the phrase that popped up was creation stories that erase other creation stories. Mm -hmm. And that is like a wild thing that I've never really thought about. But something that I feel like white folks in America are very, very guilty of. Yeah. And so now we have these these heroes, quote unquote heroes. I, I feel like I'm saying quote unquote a lot, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> these heroes, I say begrudgingly, that are celebrated and where the indigenous people, the Ojibwe and the Dakota people who, who were here originally aren't. It's just not celebrated in the same way. And if if they are celebrated, it seems as like, oh, some sort of like liberal agenda or something like that. <laughs> That's uh I, I don't understand why we we raise up mythical figures that destroy by a rule instead of the people who were taking care of the land here first. It just seems like a real slap in the face. And it is. <laughs> Feels like it. It's designed that way. Yeah. I have a theory. May I mm -hmm. may I posit it to you? <laughs> Absolutely. I think that creation myths are usually a reflection of the values in which the society or the people that are telling it like hold most dear, right? Mm -hmm. So for having Paul Bunyan kind of come in and be like, I'm straightening these rivers so that capitalism and industry can be better. That's what the Western expansion of like white settlers was all about during that period. 
And it is in stark contrast to what I imagine the indigenous people's values were at the time, because the basically raping of the land Mm -hmm. that the people were doing as they were coming into those lands is like specifically goes against the stewardship that the native people were doing. And so I think that in order to feel like they weren't doing a bad thing, they had to create these new creation stories with Paul Bunyan as the central figure. Yeah, if Paul Bunyan's a hero, then so am I, right? Like if, yeah. if that if that behavior is lauded, then you know I have I have no uh, qualms about doing more myself. Yeah, that makes sense, and you know it does parallel manifest destiny. Yep, just this rugged, just blowing through, moving west, and whatever happens to the people here, it doesn't matter. The destiny of the settlers to be able to move out west without any repercussions. Just freedom to do whatever it takes, enslaving, assimilating, killing all the buffalo, you know, it just, you know, whatever's on that list of atrocities and human rights violations that uh, happened. Yep. Yep. 100%. And people are still working through the trauma of that. So it's almost like, I mean, it is like there is this living trauma that is reopened every time there is a celebration of somebody like Paul Bunyan. Yeah. And so to live on a land where there's like literally an amusement park to this figure must be like, it must be causing generational trauma or at least like reopening that wound, like you said. Yeah, I think so. It's real eerie when I think about it now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We are sponsored this week by Calm. Lots in the world to make us anxious and uncertain, but there are tools that you can use to navigate change, feel more relaxed and quiet your mind. And Calm is one of those. You can use this mental wellness app to help you give tools to your daily life and have moments in your day that are dedicated just toward making you feel a little better. Calm includes daily meditations that are guided, so they help you kind of know what to meditate on and what to focus on. You can improve your focus with Calm's curated music tracks and drift off to dreamland, of course, with their imaginative sleep stories. And if you know one thing about me, it's that I love trains. You probably know lots of things about me, but that's one of the things that you should know. So if you go to calm.com slash spirits, you can get a limited time offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming, including at least a couple dozen hours of train-related sleep stories. And of course, new stuff is added every week. So for listeners of the show, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash spirits. That's C-A-L-M dot C-O-M slash spirits for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash spirits. We are also sponsored this week by Skillshare. This is an online learning community where you can learn, express, and discover what you can make with online classes. There's so many fascinating classes there on all kinds of topics like photography, animation, productivity, design. Amazing. One that I tried this week was called Portrait Photography, Shoot and Edit Instagram Worthy Shots by Jessica Kabisi. And it was really well designed. Like the the lessons are all short. They're like under 10 minutes. Some of them are just a couple of minutes and they focus on different skills so that you can fit it into your busy day. And Skillshare really knows what makes learning fun. All the classes are like they're well made. You can listen to them and and learn from them really easily, connect with instructors and also fellow classmates. We really enjoy it. And Skillshare is offering you something special. You can go to Skillshare.com slash spirits where our listeners get one month free trial of premium membership. That is one month free of Skillshare premium at Skillshare.com slash spirits. Go ahead, check it out. 
And finally, we are sponsored by Realm, where a continuation, official continuation of the hit TV series Orphan Black is out now, voiced by Tatiana Maslany, everyone's favorite, yours and mine. And of course, it has been eight years since Project Lido was destroyed for good in Orphan Black, the television show. But this official continuation tells us that unfortunately all is not well. When a dangerous genetic technology is stolen and an unknown clone appears, Cosima and the other clones are forced to struggle for survival. It is very, very exciting. And season two of the podcast is now out. It takes place just where season one left off, where a big event happened. And now that that event event has happened. I'm staying spoiler free for you because you should go listen to it. A lot's going on, guys. A lot has to happen. There's consequences of actions and you get to see what happens here in season two. Episode one of season two premiered a couple weeks ago and now they are resuming on November 19th. That's this week uh, with weekly episodes in season two. You got to check it out. We highly, highly recommend it, including original TV show cast members Jordan Gavares, who plays Felix and the actors who play Delphine and Donnie as well. So familiar voice you are going to love it. Learn more about Orphan Black, the next chapter at realm.fm and be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to Orphan Black, the next chapter. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. And now let's get back to the show. It may not be a perfect analog, but if you could replace or complement the Paul Bunyan statues with different statues, or if you could turn Paul Bunyan land into a different space of, of learning and encounter, what are some modes of thought and stewardship that you wish were as uh, celebrated as the Paul Bunyan myth? And if that question's a false one, please challenge the premise. But <laughs> I'd love to kind of open up the discussion in, in that direction. Yeah, I think that's a good question. And one that I would take to the communities that they're in, that those items are in. Because I do think communities know best what they need. And if they involve all the neighbors, tribal, non-native alike, um, I think people could be more creative than Paul Bunyan. Mm. So um, whether it is there, I mean, because there used to be really great cooperation between the native folks and like the French fur traders, like there was a lot of like commerce and trade and stuff that happened before there were like 
borders and more of like the state and regimented like government interaction there. So I feel like each area has their history that's super specific mm-hmm. that has a wealth of available people to celebrate. I mean, specifically for my tribe or something like that, like we celebrate our past chiefs and stuff like that. So I could speak to that. But, you know, in Grand Rapids here, where I'm relatively new, I'd love to hear from the community to see what they might, who they might like to celebrate. In lieu of Paul Bunyan's Adirondack chair and (laughs) taking up a big old spot in the middle of town, we are also the birthplace of Judy Garland. Mm. Um, So that is a huge deal here in town. Mm. So on that Adirondack chair was sat the Tin Man for years. Fun. Really? Apparently. There have been like murals around town and there's the Judy Garland Museum here. What a what a mashup of uh, problematic American faves, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Judy Garland did a little bit less probably genocide yes. just in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no question. It's more the Wizard of Oz author. I think that's mm, where the yeah, problem yeah. is. But <sighs> not, not a great guy. <laughs> Leah, can you tell us a little bit about your or your tribes or your kind of myths that you grew up with um, and stories about uh, wood, timber, your environment? I realize that even using the word timber, you know, commodifies wood and and places it in relation to sort of like human building projects. And really like language goes all the way down in, in having an agenda. I really nerd out over that kind of stuff. So trees, wood, timber, forests, tell us what you grew up with. Yeah. So I wouldn't call anything really like myth or anything like that, it's it's real. It's legit story that's cultural and a way of life. So I think kind of the main themes as far as, as the woods and why I'm so attracted to it is that trees are incredibly wise. They have so much inherent value without needing to be cut down or having somebody come out and measuring how much oxygen they pure or something (laughs) like that. I hear that's happening. There's so much more benefit than what humans can define. And there are some really beautiful conversations around the wisdom of trees and how they have their own families, how they talk to one another or communicate to one another, which we might be more easily understanding of that, but how their root systems interact with one another um, and how they support one another when they're in community. So understanding that that trees form their own communities and families and communicate, I think if we th- started thinking about it that way, we might be less like laissez-faire. Is that the word? <laughs> be less sure. yeah. just like whatever about like going and cutting down trees. That's why when we take from the land, there's this reciprocity that we as Anishinaabe people anyway, make sure that we honor, which is putting down an offering of tobacco in order to like go hunting or fishing or foraging or cutting down a tree if we need it. There's always this reciprocity and thanks in being grateful for the taking of the life, the exchange that's going on there. And and I think there's a lot of lessons in that, in being able to be more thoughtful in how we move forward instead of just brashly Paul Bunyaning it. <laughs> <laughs> Going to use that as a phrase from now on. Just yeah. Paul Bunyan is really it. useful. Paul Bunyan it. <laughs> that's kind of the, the worldview I wouldn't say it's really necessarily a story sure. or anything like that, but it is a worldview that, that we approach. Yeah, and that lens is incredibly important, you know? 
And I appreciate your correction about my use of the word myth, too, where, you know, that's part of the settler project is framing indigenous cultures and people as past or less or not active. And it's something I'll be taking forward. Right. Yeah. And I thought it was funny. There was like a, a meme, like there are a lot of like really good native memes out there that were like, and this ancient European mythology and it was referring <laughs> to like Christian, like showing like a modern church or something like that. Yeah. Yep. Look at this. They worship yeah. this and like treating it like people would treat, you know, our belief system. It was just like a really good reflection on, you know, flipping that narrative of how you approach talking about other cultures and myth. It was just yeah. really funny. <laughs> Listen, as a Catholic, my favorite jokes are when people are like, yes, these ancient people believe that they literally drink the blood of their Messiah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we kind of do. You're right. It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny when you think about it. It's pretty fucked up. <laughs> My fiance, who is Jewish, even just says like using the word Christian to describe Christian heaven and hell is very illuminating to kind of point to the the dominance of Christianity in like mainstream sort of U.S. culture to say like, oh, yes, you know, we think that uh, Santa comes, you know, from Christian heaven to like give, you know, kids presents or whatever, <laughs> just using or like, hey, interesting that this, you know, game system that doesn't have a religious agenda we thought like has enshrined like a christian hell in its you know mythology that is supposedly being like drawn from you know just like people's minds it points out and kind of illuminates as having an agenda and having a background and having a point of view something that like the you know the state and and our schools would really like us to think as as like totally natural and normal and just like the way things are done yeah whiteness as a default exactly <laughs> Amanda, now all I can picture is Santa coming down from heaven, like a biblically accurate angel and like being, being not afraid while he's on fire. <laughs> yeah, on fire. Lots of eyes. Lots of eyes. Yeah. So many eyes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. That'd be amazing. So I know that Paul Bunyan is not the only kind of folk tale, not going to say hero because we're not going to use hero for Paul Bunyan anymore on this podcast. Folk tale figure. There we go. But it's not surprising that Minnesota thinks so highly of him given that like that was kind of his area and where he quote unquote settled. So I'm very curious to see if there are other folk tale figures that come to mind that we should be a little bit more not wary of, but look at it through a more critical lens of that you can think of. And besides Johnny Appleseed, who might be an eco-terrorist, we don't know. <laughs> right. Because they're basically make up the American myth. Yeah. Like, who else is there? Right? Yeah. I'm trying to think if there is another one that I can think of. I'm sure there's some other ones. And we did an episode a while back on these, like, tall tale figures with David mm -hmm. Reinstrom. Yep. And I just can't recall. There was one guy who like lassoed a tornado at one point, but that's the only one that I can really think of. But it's it's wild to me that Paul Bunyan has such a strong place in our society that even though it is very much a, almost like a middle America story, I would say that it is permeated into both coasts at this point. Yeah. Didn't they use Paul Bunyan for... You know, advertising and marketing and all of that for timber as well. Yeah. So it's almost like taking that American figure, folk figure, uh, and then turning it into even more like commercialization. Just all capitalism, baby. Just all capitalism. Right. It's just self-feeding capitalist beast um, and reinforcing the name Paul Bunyan. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure the brawny paper towel man is just supposed to be Paul Bunyan, right? I think he's a lumberjack, but yeah, it's the same vibe. Definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah. I guess as a paper product. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> makes sense as a paper product. Now that you say that, I'm like, yeah, obviously he would be a lumberjack. Oh, wow. And he's also brawny because <laughs> he's a big, strong man. Listen, it didn't occur to me until five seconds before I said it. So we're all on the same page. Here. We're all just having real revelations we're here. We're having discoveries just as, uh, yeah, we're talking. It's amazing. <laughs> I, I want to circle back because I know that you were saying like you can't speak to the other communities that are kind of impacted by the legacy of Paul Bunyan. But you were talking a little bit about like what your own personal choices for who would replace him would be. Can you dive a little bit more into that for us? I think there are a lot of wonderful people to celebrate instead. Mm-hmm. I know uh, my tribe, Malax Band, we've had a great run of chiefs, Margaret Anderson. And uh, like Argabo and folks that really led us through claiming our tribal sovereignty and building Mm. casinos (laughs) (laughs) and fishing rights and stuff like that, that I think have really impacted and benefited our tribes. Um, And each tribe has their own people, too, that they can celebrate. I really like talking about those authentic, specific ways that we can actually honor our history without making something up. Right. So really looking back at accurate history and combining, you know, what we know about our tribes, what we know about neighboring communities and finding common ground, which happens really well uh, when you start to talk about hunting and fishing and living in the environment. There might not be the same as how to treat things like copper nickel mining or iron (laughs) mining or something like that and um, oil pipelines. But there is... A lot of commonality and love of the land and wanting it to be as beautiful as people remember when they were kids, you know, and wanting that for the next generations. There is a way that we can get along and even just celebrate the environment. I think that would go a long way to bringing communities together over something um, that benefits everybody and not something that's so divisive. Like an amusement park to Paul Bunyan? So weird. (laughs) So weird. What a a strange choice. I mean, it has fun rides. (laughs) How can I say? Listen, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say like all amusement parks are terrible <laughs> capitalist ventures, but maybe not towards Paul Bunyan, this uh, folk villain. Yeah, I feel like there are better, just better ways to do things. Better Celebrate options. the environment, even if it's just a big old tree. You know, that's like this is the amazing part about the tree. Let's celebrate the tree, tree, tree land. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all about that. Um, I would go. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Picturing a really good episode of the Magic School Bus where they go to Tree World. I'm all about that. <laughs> Be great. <laughs> yeah, I really love birch trees and oh my their God, my favorites. Me too. Just ability to be everything from their bark, paper, canoes, earrings. <laughs> <laughs> like we could have oh, a birch tree amusement park would be amazing Mm. or like a statue in town to celebrate the birch tree oh yeah and all of its uses renewable uses beautiful in all seasons yeah useful renewable beautiful have like a a craft fair of native makers that sounds amazing my gosh honestly prettier than the giant adirondack chair too this might be a thing I'm going to write this down. Listen, (laughs) yeah, do it, Leah, do it up. As long as we're invited to the opening, like run with it. (laughs) There's an airport 35 miles away. That's fine. We can drive. (laughs) 
We can drive. <laughs> That's yeah. not that far. That's like an hour drive. That's not bad. <laughs> I would love to know what kind of stories you share with your son. I know you mentioned his Paul Bunyan costume. What is he interested in? What do you like sharing with him? What do you wish he was interested in that you were interested in as a kid? Uh, what what stories do you find yourself telling as a parent? Kids are amazing because they have the ability to s- to surprise you left and right. When my husband and I were ready to have a child, I was like, we know we're going to be surprised by our child. So what is a way that our child could be completely different than us from us? <laughs> we're like, I know he could be a social butterfly. <laughs> and guess what? <laughs> he is really? Mr. Social, Mr. Talkative. He will just like we drive down to the Twin Cities. It's about a three and a half hour drive. He will talk the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) So we're lucky if we get to tell him a story, but no, we do. And I think he, like most kids, really like to hear about us when we were kids Mm -hmm. ourselves. And I'm really lucky because my dad is hilarious. He is old native guy, old Ojibwe elder now living in the woods as well and kind of a hermit, kind of likes to keep to himself. So I have a lot of fun stories of when I was a kid with my dad and my dad would tell us all these stories that would keep us out of the woods, right? Because there are dangerous things in the woods that we wouldn't want to like get hurt or whatever without being supervised. Mm -hmm. So in order to keep us out of the woods, he invented a story centering around a young girl named Limpy. Mm -hmm. And she lived down the stream from our house in the woods And she would walk back and forth to school every day, down the stream, and then back at the end of the school day. But when she got to school, she was also horribly bullied. And so it was very sad. And so she ran home, but the bullies followed her and set fire to the creek, which has a lot of kind of like gunk in it, which was true at the time. (laughs) And I don't know where it came from, but there was gunk in our creek. They set fire to the wood and the creek and she was horribly disfigured. Mm. And so it was very sad. And when she passed away, she haunted the woods ever after. So if we ever went into the woods, we would probably meet a charred and burned Limpy in the woods. That's dark. And so, (laughs) uh, (laughs) who died after being, I don't know if she died. She didn't die like right after, but you know, so I tell you what, if you tell, so my kids ate, He's right at the point where he just loves being scared, but not like too scared. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right. Just enough. You know, like he watched Hocus Pocus with us before Halloween and was that was like the perfect amount of scary, right? Mm. Where it's like silly, but scary. These sorts of stories where a story that you once heard that was real to you growing up adds a little magic <laughs> for for other for your kids uh, down the line. And so I like to share those stories that my dad told me. And he's got quite a few. They're mostly warnings. They're mostly. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's every parent's story is like, don't do not do that or something bad's going to happen. And it's all do not go wandering into the woods without an adult. Like that's basically what it boils down to. 
<laughs> a valid warning. Yeah. yeah. I have a question and it's how long did you believe the limpy story to be true? Or did your father eventually reveal like, oh yeah, I made that up? I don't think he ever said outright that he made it up. I think it just kind of comes with age, kind of like Santa Claus, right? Well, yeah, yeah. it could have been real then. You don't know. I know. <laughs> it could have been real. <laughs> but how would he know? <laughs> how could he possibly know in the story? That's what happens to us as adults where we're like, oh, that thing I thought was made up is literally true. Where <laughs> my family is like, oh, I thought you told me about the relatives that died in a well because you didn't want me to go into wells in suburban New York. And my dad was like, oh, no, I have a lot of relatives who died in wells. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, wow. That's the real. That's the real reveal. Whoa. Why does this keep happening to your family members? It happens to Irish children uh, in the countryside. I don't know what to tell you. <gasps> that is stressful. That right? is really stressful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or like, oh, yes, this is this is the the dark uh, backstory of the aunt you met one time. And it's it's like, oh, God, I, I preferred the, the child version where there is some kind of creature that will eat me if I you know go into the woods after dark. Yeah. You know, a Kelpie. The Kelpie. Yeah. A Talipo, whatever. Oh, my goodness. But yeah, so like now that we live in the woods, I mean, these are stories I have to pass on by by law, right? <laughs> you gotta. Well, so your son doesn't get, you know, kidnapped by the ghost of Limpy. That's right. You, know, you gotta protect him. Ask grandpa. He told me. Yeah, yeah. it's true. <laughs> I mean, we do. We have we've had bear walk through. We've had fisher raccoons. Um, we're right next to a river. It's just I mean, it's dangerous. Yeah, gotta be careful. It really is with or without a a charred ghost. <laughs> I feel like a lot of times we tell these stories to children because you can't just explain to this child, you can't go to the river because it's dangerous. You have to give them a reason why it's dangerous. And children are fearless in that way where it's like, I won't drown in the river, psh, mom. And so I think creating this kind of supernatural or otherworldly, like, creature or reason that that thing is actually dangerous makes us listen more, I mm -hmm. guess. Yeah. Yeah. Narrative persuades. Yeah, you know, it makes you think twice, you know, when you go out there like, you know, I would risk a bear, mm. but I will not risk a creepy, like, blackened hand with skin yeah. falling off it. Like, <laughs> that's that hits different, <laughs> right? I understand what a bear is. I'm not sure I understand what that is. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I don't have a stuffed limpy on my bed that I like to hug, but I, I do have stuffed animal <laughs> mooses that, that belie the real danger of, of a moose if I met them in the woods. Oh my gosh, moose are just so dangerous. <laughs> moose are yeah. terrifying. I feel like everyone's like, oh yeah, it's cute. It's a moose. I've never seen one in person, but I've seen enough of those photos where they're like next to cars and you're like, that thing is bigger than a car. That's <laughs> not okay. <laughs> Very dangerous. I remember I was canoeing in the boundary waters when I was... 15 maybe just you know nice afternoon on the water i was with like a you know like an inner city group that brought us up to the boundary waters so we could get the the experience turn the corner there's a moose just like eating the grasses in the in the water there just being like that moose is bigger than like longer than the canoe like <laughs> you could just dunk us and step on us and that's it game over yeah what'd you do you back up oh we just you know slowly just not <laughs> trying not to like alarm the moose there's so many yeah scary things like that but i mean they're adorable <laughs> at the same time yeah and you're like oh it's fine because like that thing just eats grass and stuff mm -mm. Mm -mm. no not true i remember also when i was in the boundary waters you know you have to portage your canoes between lakes so you know you put mm -hmm. the canoe on your back and you walk through and i was walking side by side with a bear a nice black bear 
you know, just walking with me. And I'm like, I literally don't know what to do. Like, there's nothing I can do. Like, you know, there are other you know people at various points along the trail. I'm like, you know, he knows I'm here. I know he's there. I can't move to the left or right. I can only just, I mean, I could move back, but what's that going to accomplish? But you just kind of keep going slowly, you know? And it's, you know, how close we are to nature in reality can be very uh, surprising, I think, when you hit the city lines, you know, just beyond the suburbs. Yeah, Amanda and I grew up on Long Island, which the largest animal that you can find on Long Island is a deer. Mm -hmm. And the largest predator is like a raccoon. Like we don't have like any sort of like mountain lion bobcat situation. There's no bears here. So it's kind of buck wild to like know that there are creatures that can actually hurt you in places that aren't here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how else to describe that, but it's very sheltered nature wise here. Even when I go on hikes, I'm just like, yeah, nothing's going to hurt me. Like the worst thing that happens out here is a deer crosses my path and they're scared of me. So Mm -hmm. what we did learn about is the ocean because, you know, as a as a long island, you know, a very long island with a lot of uh, shoreline. And my mom is an ocean lifeguard. So growing up, you know, reading the tides, learning about rip currents, learning about when sharks are in the water, what seaweed says about what fish are out there, how to see that if there's a lot of uh, birds circling, that means small fish are there, which means big fish are there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that is the part of the environment that uh, was most relevant to us. And I feel like there's always a myth about someone's dog who got et by like a, a hawk. So yeah. the, the sky and, and the ocean are, are two uh, <sighs> two places that... You're like, an osprey stole a chihuahua and we're like, yeah, all right. Uh, Whatever. (laughs) Fine. Fine. I do want to say, though, that also the bear are a a clan. And so there are family members, moose as well. And, you know, these these relatives of ours aren't looking to like looking to kill, you know, hurt us. Right. But, you know, without some sort of cause or aggravation, they're not like humans where humans will just like kill for no reason. Yeah. Um, but they will, you know, if they're spooked or if they're, you know, scared or surprised, then then we're in danger. But mm-hmm. you know, if we don't encroach on their living space, then we don't have much to worry about. Yeah, that's that's fair. And I feel like at least here, or at least like in for family members who live in like Staten Island and New Jersey, we've encroached so much on the natural territory of animals like bears that it's a very difficult balance to have where all of a sudden you're like, oh, there is a bear in my backyard eating my trash and there's not really anything I can do about that in the moment. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to let him do what he's got to do and then leave. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I, I think you're, you know, you intentionally or not ended on a perfect anecdote that you really brought to a, a wonderful conclusion for us, um, Leah, about, you know, you acknowledge the bear, the bear acknowledged you, you both went on with your days respecting each other's uh, space and autonomy and not surprising one another or veering into each other's path. And and here you are telling us about it later. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's Thank the you. plus. Well, this has <laughs> been fun. So fun. Yeah, this is great. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Please remind everybody all about Wisdom Continuum. Uh, links will be in the description, but give us just one more plug as to where folks can find you and your work online. Yeah, so Wisdom Continuum is online at wisdomcontinuum.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter. Again, Wisdom Continuum. And uh, yeah, we have a email as well, wisdomcontinuum at gmail.com. Any ideas, anything like that? Yeah, that's about it. Oh, yeah. And the podcast can be found anywhere you find podcasts. Perfect. (laughs) Amazing. Leah, thank you again. All those links are below. And folks, remember, stay creepy, stay cool. 
Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us in your urban legends and your advice from folklore questions at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast, for all kinds of behind-the-scenes goodies. Just a dollar gets you access to audio extras with so much more, like recipe cards, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic, for every single episode, director's commentaries, real physical gifts, and more. We are a founding member of Multitude, an independent podcast collective and production studio. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. Above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please text one friend about us. That's the very best way to help keep us growing. Thanks for listening to Spirits. We'll see you next week. Bye.